Real news. All right, welcome everyone to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is August 10th, 2020, and boy, is this going to be a big week. This is going to be a huge, booming week. Uh, you know, I've kind of mentioned, uh, I, I well, wait, let me just re rewind just a second. So for all of you out there that have been trying to find me on Twitter, I tweet words is where you're going to find me. Tweet words with a Z. Uh, and you can find me on Facebook. I'm out of Facebook jail. I will be trying to upload on YouTube. YouTube is really, really holding a really tight one around me. And, um, you know, I think all of us need to be that spark. Not because I want to set the world on fire. You know, I'm a gaslighter. And I've always said that, but it's not about setting the world on fire. It's about extinguishing those fires underground. Now, there is a lot of misinformation on the tunnels. Again, the truth is way stranger than fiction only because your reality will tell you it's fiction. Now, many will say, they were hiding them. They were trying. It's, it's way more than that. Globally, way more than that. Someone in the Tory says chat group uh, dropped a link to someone describing themselves going to heaven and hell. Now, I'm going to say this. Just, just listen to the description of what the person said was hell. And maybe that'll help you. Um understand where I'm going with this. This is just so insane. So we've got a lot to talk about aside from the fact of remember 10 minutes after the explosion, I told you that lithium was within, you know, and lithium this and whoa, look at that. Now the news is coming out. Oh, it looks like there was lithium where they blew it. Uh, no, duh, no, duh. So just to identify where you get real news and where you get late news. Because when I was checking the drops for both sides of the fence, keep in mind, both operated by the same person, <laughs> same company operates the left talking points and the right talking points. I want to make that clear. Okay. Making it clear. They are running the same thing over and over again. It is so sad. And yesterday when I saw it, it was so sad. And the day before, so sad. What do we say, for those of you that couldn't see it, because I wasn't able to put it up on YouTube or Facebook, when the president was giving out the executive order, that I said, we're going to be one pages to address each situation. One page for this, one page for that. Lo and behold, like time traveling perks, anyone? So uh, think, what did I say? Oh, the Democrats are going to sue. <laughs> Because he's helping the people almost as if like, this is the platform they're running on. No, we want to make sure you have payroll tax. Nope. We want to make sure you do not have any money to eat. Nope. We want to make sure that you're in poverty. This is the platform that they are subscribing to. And this is what they are doing. It is insane. It is insane. So, <sighs> Today, we have a lot, a lot to talk about. Um, you know, Greece, remember when I said, oh, it's not like it's, uh, 
you know, uh, what, what did I say? It's not coincidental that, you know, we moved our troops from Germany to Greece two years ago, slowly, slowly, slowly. It's not coincidental that right where we're having conflict, you know, uh, we're sitting there having speeches with all their people. Totally coincidental. And what do we see? Oh, breaking war. But I will tell you why. This is all happening and how, because you can see it too. You don't have to be like me remembering things. Instead, you can see it yourself. You can step back. Albite, all of you can't go to the moons, but when you look, it's there. Someone says, I said it's nitrous, uh, nitrous oxide. Correct. It's nitrous oxide, another compound housed in lithium. That is what I said. And it, the explosive device also made of lithium, just so you know. Uh, because it, lithium floats and it was housed in water and fluid. Just saying. Uh, for those that want to say, oh, no, you just said this. No, I, I mentioned all the compounds. But unfortunately, you can't go back to my Twitter because it's been eradicated. It had way too much truth in there for the world. Um, but that's okay. They've also stymied other people not being able to get into their account, locking them out. It's only a matter of time before they lose this. So... Yes, Donkey Kong. Thank you. See, someone remembers. It's a Donkey Kong. It's very specific. Other people were talking missiles. Other people were talking, you know, nope, nope, nope. It's a Donkey Kong. And lithium floats. And people need to remember that. Uh, <laughs> people need to remember that. I told you that 10 minutes after the bomb went off. Nitrous oxide gives it the orange-yellow hue. So it's not ammonium nitrate either because that would be like a green-yellowy. Well, it would be more yellow hue. Basic chemistry said that, you know, pretty much. But the point is, I'm not trying to say it like, oh, look, I know because it's not fair. I have an, I have an unfair advantage. But I'm saying it because then you can see just who's really doing the work and giving you news and who's not. And now you can see nobody's doing it. It's individuals. They don't want to tell you because you're not allowed to know. You're not supposed to know. You need to keep your mouth shut and you need to just obey. You need to put your mask on and obey. You need to listen to the mainstream media and obey. This implosion was a very specific implosion um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, you're going to see because now we have fires everywhere, earthquakes in places you've never even thought what five point earthquake in, in North Carolina. And we've got these volcanoes going and the earthquake in Iran and in Australia, underground things being exploded and on fire again. I urge you to watch that video. I don't know who dropped that video, but if, if you're, if you're listening now, either on Twitch, Periscope, Facebook, or D live, drop the link, um, and share it because that link, I'm not saying that what the person said was a hundred percent, uh, you know, correct because we can't be in everybody's mind. Everybody's experience is different, but the way he describes the environment tells you where I am going with it. Again, the truth is stranger than fiction. The truth is stranger than fiction. And you know why? 
So I've told you about shifts and collapsing of timelines. I've told you the four corners of the earth. What, what you need to see is these shifts that they're making in narratives, on identifying things, and even spelling. Remember? Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden. Big shift. Beirut. Beirut. Big shift. So it's really interesting once you come together and realize when you put all of this information in one, you know, just in front of you on the table, like puzzle pieces, totally makes sense. Because I'm giving you the corner pieces, you know, the outlines, so you can fill it in. Now, politics-wise, we have a lot to say. Um, First of all, we had former chief of staff of an attorney general, uh, now turned radio host, slimy, slimeball, you know, that hated the president until after he was sworn in, who's, you know, pushing the, look at me, I'm the analysis, and (laughs) I have so much to say, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut. We're going to listen to some of his interview with Attorney General Barr, and I make it no, uh, you know, secret that I can't stand him. I hate people like that. Hate is a strong word. I want to say loathe and feel sorry for. Now, uh, there's so much. There's uh, the the elections in Belarus. My gosh, the EU is losing their mind. We have another IIA deployed, just like in Ukraine, identical in Belarus. We have explosions in Russia again, always in that same neck. It's like a neck. It's between Kazakhstan, right? It's in Georgia. It's between Kazakhstan and Ukraine heading to Georgia. It's that neck of Russia. There's always explosions there. There was an explosion there last year in the fall. It's always there. And it wasn't a gas station either. It was terminating uh, an alternative mole type road. So I I just wanted to uh, make that clear. So uh, where do we start today? Uh, We we have so much to cover. Um, The elections. Okay, people are now reporting, oh, you know, the red cloud is indicative of lithium metal, which is a propellant in military missiles. (laughs) My gosh, my gosh, it's not. Um, We have, uh, what else do we have? We have the Belarus elections. We have the explosion in Baltimore. Very convenient. The question you have to ask yourself is who or what was housed there where it just, you know, and there was only one person dead. So nobody was home early that morning. Question mark. Uh, We have the public health director of California resigning. That was uh, super quick. Super quick. We have the United Nations intervening, saying that um, there's no need for a blast inquiry. Um, uh, The UN doesn't need to ask for one since Macron did it. And it's like, wait, are you trying to say that Macron is the UN? I've told you that he's royalty. Look it up. He's a co-prince with someone else that's very special. So um, that's literally co-prince. Like there's two princes for the same place. Um, There's just so much the insanity of the masks pushing, pushing, pushing. Uh, What else do we have? We have the, the, okay, let's, do you guys want to start with like global? What do we do? You know what? Let's go head first. Okay. First into our local stuff. Okay. Let's do that first before we get into the global stuff. So you can understand how this all ties in. So 
First of all, we saw that the president signed off executive orders, you know, going over the heads of those uh, of the Democrat Party, called them to the carpet by, you know, them adding all that pork in this bill that was thousands of pages long for what should have been relief for the people, which we've already been saying. Democrats have no qualms about keeping the people under their thumb, hungry, starving, and with no food, money, or income, uh, because that's just the way they are. So take a listen to (laughs) our favorite clown, (laughs) Chris Wallace, uh, talking about this. And uh, it's pretty interesting how he puts it. It's good to be with you. You just heard Speaker Pelosi's reaction to the steps that President Trump took yesterday. Your response. Well, first of all, let me just say it was the president's first choice for us to go up and negotiate a fair deal. So Mark Meadows and I negotiated nonstop. We went through every single line item with them for two weeks. Uh, Let me just give you a sense of this. On education, they wanted $100 billion. We agreed to $105 billion. They then raised their number to $400 billion. As the speaker just said, they wanted money for food. We compromised on food. We actually reached an agreement on that. We had the postmaster general up. We compromised. Let me ask you about, uh, uh, Mr. Secretary, let me just ask you about that, because she kept referring to $250,000 for food relief. Is that true? No, we came up to a very fair compromise. We actually reached an agreement on what they wanted uh, without long-term changes on policy, and we knocked that off the list. But let me just tell you what they've refused to negotiate on. We said, tell us where you are in a compromise for state and local. They said, we're at a trillion dollars. We said, tell us where you are in enhanced unemployment. We told the American people, we'll keep it at 600 while we negotiate. For a week or two, they refused to do that. Those two issues, they've refused any compromise on mostly every single other issue we've reached an agreement. And what happened on Friday was they said, well, call us back. We said to the president, look, now you've got to move forward with an executive action so that you can help American workers and American people. But, Mr. Secretary, let's talk about what the president's actions that he took yesterday. We've talked about what they did. Let's talk about what they don't do. They don't provide another twelve hundred dollar direct payment to people. They don't uh, restore the payroll protection program, which helps small businesses. That ran out yesterday. Uh, Here's what Democrats said during the negotiations. There are real needs. America knows they have real needs. The public is on our side. But they would seem not to be willing to go in a direction that would meet those needs. It's hard when your values are so different in terms of bubble up from the working class families instead of trickle down from above. Mr. Secretary, you heard Speaker Pelosi say she would like to resume talks. Are you ready to do so? And frankly, given these differences in what you heard from her today, why should we think that negotiations this week would go any better than the failed negotiations of the last two weeks? Well, Chris, I've told the Speaker and Senator Schumer, anytime they have a new proposal, I'm willing to listen. But let me just say you're right. We agreed with the Democrats. We both want to send more checks to the American workers. We want to send more PPP to those hardest hit businesses. 
we've said let's pass legislation on the things we agree on and knock these off one at a time and they've refused to do that until they get their trillion dollars for the states i've also spoke to many governors over the last few days we offered more money for the states they still have 150 billion from last time most of them haven't even used half of the money the governors are saying we need more money for education we need help and the president said we'll give it to you but not a trillion dollars Mr. Secretary, I want to refer to something that that, uh, Speaker Pelosi referenced, and that was the comment from Republican Senator Ben Sass that this governing by executive action is, his words, unconstitutional slop. Wait. All right. So we're going to stop it there because I don't like Chris Wallace. He's quoting Pelosi and Ben Sass, and he claimed that Ben Sass is a Republican. Listen, guys, there's no Republican, no Democrat. I had this conversation with my daughter. She was like, how could you identify with the Republicans when they're like this? I don't identify as anything. That's why my kid was so angry with me. She's like, why are you supporting the Republican Party when, you know, they're like this? Why are you doing this? And I said, listen, We're going behind the Republican Party because that's the ticket this president is running on. You know, in 2024, there's going to be a whole new ticket, (laughs) whole new party. Uh, It's just about time that we break up this fake two party system, fake two parties, if I get a fake two parties. And Ben Sass is as Democrat as they are. Thune is as Democrat as they are. Uh, you know, if you, if you lift the mask, you see that they are not Republican. They are not. You know who are the good ones? Stubby. Kramer. Kevin Kramer is the bomb. Like, I can't wait to play that clip where he, like, dispelled everything. So um, I'm not live on YouTube. I'm not. I I can't stream live on YouTube. Okay. So uh, they are insanely upset that the president now has given the people what they need. The president has given the people what they need, and they are pissed. But... I mean, at the end of the day, if they're not doing it, someone has to, right? That's the way it is. We can't just sit around and wait for them to decide when they want to help the people because there are people out there that can't work. There are people out there that are unable to work because of this, you know, control of virus, because of the statements that everyone needs to abide. Let's think about it for a second. If this was really about disease, you wouldn't be able to wear underwear and crochet masks and a bandana, you know, if this was a real disease, they just want you to wear anything to cover your mouth. And every time someone says, where's your mask? I'm like, why doesn't yours work? Uh, you know, you'll see how it's slowly coming to surface. The new narrative, the left is now pushing the radical left is that president Trump was the one that created this hoax. That president Trump was the one that brought on this fake control of virus. Now they're trying to flip the script. Pay attention. This is why the sunrise movement is going to go full blown September. What is it? 12th around there. Oh, just in time right? For all these people getting perped, 
right? Just in time for Brendan's not the target of this investigation. That's because it's not Durham going after Brennan. It's Bash. See, nobody <laughs> looks at the way things are. We've said this before on this show. The ones that they're putting out there have been slipped. You know, Durham came into the public face when his name was revealed in a 2018, you know, committee hearing. And I pointed that out in an article that I put on Tory says that says Bill Barr didn't appoint Durham. Sessions did. Sessions did. Okay. And that is clear from the questioning. Go to that article. You'll see it. If you go to the Tory says page, all you have to do is look up. Uh, you know, AG Durham, AG Bar, and it'll come up. Uh, so uh, that's number one. So we got the bill. Uh, we got the executive orders to help the people going over the head of the Democrats. So they're very upset right now because this is making them look bad. Mulvaney even came out saying not having legislation before August recess is surprising him. This is what he said today. Now, we're going to talk about this uh, executive order that they're challenging, because remember when Barack Hussein Obama's executive order on DACA was upheld by, you know, Chief Justice Roberts, who initially let it go. And I, I think I've been the only one talking about the dirty laundry of Chief Justice Roberts from like forever in a day. Now people are catching on just like they're catching on with the gold and silver, uh, you know, for about a year now they've been catching on uh, trickle, 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 you know, but. Uh, this is the most important part. And I said, well, you know, he did that and that was wrong, but now it gives power to the president. What does it give power to the president? You can't overturn his executive order. Tough noogies. Cause huh, chief justice Roberts said that we couldn't overturn Obama's. So what are we going to pick another president and say, Oh, it, because it's not Obama's. We can overrule that one. You see, this is why the president tweeted out. Oh, uh, 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 you gave a lot of power to the executive order, but let's listen quickly to a little bit of a snippet of what Mulvaney had to say in regards to this uh, whole, Hey, we don't have legislations. What would you mean? You haven't, distributed money you mean people are going to have to file bankruptcy mm -hmm. into his own hands president trump signing a number of executive orders on covid 19 relief on saturday new coronavirus aid talks stalling in congress although further negotiations are possible the president's orders offer expanded unemployment benefits eviction protection and a payroll tax holiday joining me now former white house chief of staff former director of the office of management and budget mick mulvaney mick great to see you your thoughts on these executive orders and to what extent they could actually be implemented particularly the payroll tax holiday and the extra four hundred dollars in unemployment benefits. Yeah, Dagan, good morning, and thanks for having me. Um, and looking at them over the weekend, it was fascinating to see how they structured these things. And it looks like a lot of it comes out of money that was already appropriated in the CARES Act and then run through the Department of Homeland Security through the Stafford Act. That's a very powerful piece of legislation um, that Congress, when Congress passed many years ago, gave every administration a great deal of authority and a great deal of discretion. That's where the money's coming, for example, under the executive order for these extensions to the unemployment uh, benefits. Um, there's the CARES Act back in the springtime appropriated roughly $150 billion 
uh, in that area to DHS. Less than half of it, less than half has already been spent. And what it looks like the president's trying to do is go in there and say, okay, I'll redirect this money that Congress has already appropriated. Looks like it could be fairly well backed up legally. I haven't had a chance to do the cross-references and so right. forth, but it's the type of thing that the Office of Management and Budget used to work on all the time. So um, my guess is they've done their homework on this and can probably make most of it stick. Well, here's the problem. You have to have Democratic governors get on board because that $400 weekly payment, which would replace the $600 in unemployment benefits, 25% has to be funded by the states. Even if the, is, even if the money is there, left over from the CARES Act, of course, Governor Cuomo rejected the plan as just an impossibility. He said that over the weekend. So it's to what extent that governors step up and states step up to make these benefits happen. But then also on the payroll tax side, whether the companies out there across the land deduct that money or withhold, basically let that payroll tax holiday go into effect for the workers so they get the benefit. Sure, we'll deal with the first one first, which yeah. is the governor's. I, I, I saw what uh, Governor Cuomo said. I guess that's fine. He's governor of his state. He has the right not to uh, not to participate in this program. I think it would be very difficult for him to continue that if he turns out to be wrong. And you go to a state like South Carolina, where I am, and the governor's a Republican, decides to try and work with the federal government to get that that extra supplement. And if it starts working in those states, it can be very difficult for those blue state governors to sort of stay, stay on the sidelines and face it, let's, 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 let's be candid with each other. There's certainly an amount of politics here that even surprises me, and I thought I was one of the least naive people in Washington, D.C., to not have any legislation before this August vacation started really mm -hmm. surprised even me. I didn't realize that, 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 that Mrs. Pelosi and Mr. Schumer were that dug in on refusing to negotiate. My gut is that the president uh, tried to meet someplace in the middle and that the uh, Democratic leadership in the House and the Senate refused to compromise. That surprised uh, even me. So um, the politics is still there, but I don't think the governors can hold out if other states are making it work. Uh, I'll get to the business. Okay, so he's saying because other states are making it work that they're not going to be able to hold out. Now, let's just go quickly to commercials and we'll be right back with that because they started peddling the new myth. What's the new myth? That now Social Security will be gone because because of all this. Oh, my gosh. Payroll tax. They're cutting it. So now there won't be Social Security. Hold on, guys. We make Social Security contributions that goes into the Social Security fund not payroll tax. But, you know, they pander on the people not understanding basic accounting or not looking at their pay slips that says you are paying Social Security through, uh, you know, separate. That's called, what is it called? The Medicare tax. That's separate, separate. But anyway, Social Security is safe. It's actually going to be pretty amazing after this Christmas. Let's go to the break and I'll be right back. Forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. 
America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. All right. Welcome back, everyone. So we heard what they had to say, how they're scaring people with Social Security when we all know that they've emptied that account a long, long time ago. And they've been using funds that they've been skimming off of unions. Believe it or not, you're going to say unions. Yes, guys, unions. Do you know that in Texas they went knocking around demanding union dues? But isn't the union dues something that you pay that's private? So then why are they knocking on doors demanding? it. Hiatus right there. One second. So yesterday I got a knock on my door uh, in the morning and, you know, uh, no one's allowed in my building. So it shocked me. I was like, wait, wait a minute. What's going on here? So I look through and I see this young woman with a mask and I'm like, yes. And I was like, who are you? And they flash a badge and I'm like, oh, so I'm like, what's going on? Open the door and 20 questions began. How did you get in here? How did security let you up here? Oh, we were just, we got authorization. Who's paying for this? Guess what it was? It was the U.S. Census. Door knocking. Door knocking. They're door knocking. Uh, you know, uh, and she was like, yeah, so we're um, funded. She had a, you know, um, 
uh, uh, Department of Commerce identification. She wanted to ask questions, you know, how many people live here? How do we identify, you know, all these things, door knocking, they're door knocking to see. Now, the census is very important. Keep in mind, it's very important because through the census is how states and cities and counties can ask for federal funding because this is how they get a head count for how many children they have. Then they ask questions like, what's your primary language? So let's pretend that your primary language is Spanish. Then that means they need more money for ESL teachers, right? Let's pretend that the whole county had people that are over 65. That means we need some funding so we can open up like elder centers, you know, where the elderly can go. We need more meals on wheels. If, you know, the income is low, we need more of this. This is this is necessary so that we can see how many people reside in the United States and what are their needs depending on county, state. So, you know, the census is important. This is why they were so upset. That, you know, non-U.S. citizens aren't allowed to uh, to, to fill it out. So I was kind of shocked that, um, you know, they were do- door knocking and that they got permission to come into my building. Nobody comes in. Nobody can come to my door. Nobody. Like, you are not allowed. They don't care if you're a process server. You don't get in there. You can't get in there. The only people that can get in there is federal agents. So that was odd. That's why I asked, like, who's funding it? Who's doing it? I looked at her ID. I even recorded the conversation. Uh, She was asking me demographics. And I was like, you know, up until 1988, Greek people were supposed to tick the colored box. That's what it used to be, right? Uh, And she was like, well, if you identify as black, I could put it down. I was like, do I look black to you? She's like, well, whatever somebody tells us. Then she looks at me and she was like, are you male, female? email and I just looked at her and I was like did you just ask me that question she's like I have to put down whatever they ask so basically you could say whatever you want right and they'll document it they really don't care um so this actually happened to me I had a whole 30 minutes for her to ask like two, three questions just to find out how they come, you know, uh, to your door and they're knocking. And I was like, so are you, you know, looking for like illegal aliens and stuff? Like I was, <laughs> I was probing to see what I can get. And apparently they're just supposed to go and ask because they need to document. And she was from the Department of Commerce. So uh, that was interesting. That they've actually filed applications uh, with certain uh, buildings and units to get permission to enter the building uh, to do this. So I don't know if any of you saw knockers, but that was that was pretty awesome. So this is what's going on uh, domestically in that sense. Okay, uh, we have the Democrats uh, d- fighting our president on every every anything he does, anything. Gosh, please proclaim that hydroxychloroquine doesn't work so that everybody can can go out there and get it. Um, and what else? We have uh, this, he put out the EOs. Now the they're trying to fight it, not to give people money. And they're claiming, oh, it's going to be social security. And it's like, no, it's not. So that'll be cleared up. We have a conference, a presser by uh, the press secretary at one. So I'll have that open uh, to interrupt our news feed uh, when she comes on. So it's live. So where do we go from here? Let's talk about D.C. first. I want to put Washington, D.C. had a party where people were shot. 
right? So we should listen to that. Obviously, we have the explosion that happened in Baltimore. We talked about that a little bit. That's still developing. Uh, question is, who was there? Who was housing there? And what happened? Listen to this 20-second clip of what happened in D.C. this weekend. A shooting turns deadly in Washington, D.C. At least 21 people shot, one killed, after a dispute at a large gathering overnight. Police say at least three shooters opened fire from different locations. Several people were critically injured, including an off-duty officer. No arrests have been made. Off-duty officer at a party, large gathering, I'm just saying, what was this large gathering? Let's think about it. Why would we have off-duty officers at a large gathering, right, uh, that, you know, is not supposed to be happening because coronavirus, right? You're not supposed to have any large gatherings. So what was that person doing at a large gathering off-duty, right? So Chicago, another one. We've got Mayor Beetlejuice, uh, you know, pretty much using the word looters. I thought that they were, you know, out there getting some Chanel bread. Now it's called looting. They're all calling it looting, looting, straight up felony criminal conduct, she says. Take a listen to her. We are waking up um, in shock this morning. In early morning hours of um, today, dozens of individuals came to our loop, Mag Mile, River North, and Gold Coast neighborhoods as well as our commercial district around uh, North and Clybourne. These individuals engaged in what can only be described as brazen and extensive criminal looting and destruction. And to be clear, this had nothing to do with legitimate, protected First Amendment um, expression. As the superintendent said, we are uh, currently investigating reports that this activity was connected to a shooting and resulting activity that took place in Inglewood yesterday. But regardless, what occurred in our downtown and surrounding communities was abject criminal behavior, pure and simple. And there cannot be any excuse for it, period. This is not legitimate First Amendment uh, protected speech. These were not poor people engaged in petty theft to feed themselves and their families. This was straight up felony criminal conduct. We have activated a neighborhood protection plan, as the superintendent alluded to, which involves city agencies like Streets and Sand, CDOT, Aviation, working coordination with the Chicago Police Department. These resources um, are being deployed throughout um, our city to protect our neighborhoods. And likewise, these measures will be in place for the foreseeing uh, days until we know that our neighborhoods are safe. What happened in our city last night and this morning, of course, is deeply painful for every Chicagoan. As the superintendent said, this was an assault on our city. It undermines uh, public safety and breeds a sense of insecurity among our residents. It also undermines our recovery efforts. These same stores that were hit last night were hit previously not just by the looting, but by closures related to COVID-19. Stores that were targeted were more than just large chain stores. They were all small businesses and restaurants, representing our city's jobs and livelihoods, all of which were in the process of recovering or on the verge of recovering and getting back to work. And now this. I want to give my sincere thanks to the men and women of our police department, 
for their professionalism throughout these very difficult times, not just last night. To our residents, I want you to make sure that we are doing everything that we can to secure your homes and stores and to allow you to return to your daily activities safely and securely. And Whoop. to our businesses, Flip we script. will continue our efforts working with you and redoubling our efforts to support you and your efforts to reopen and recover. <clears throat> and to those who engage in this criminal behavior, let's be clear. We are coming for you. We are already at work in finding you, and we intend to hold you accountable for your actions. No, you won't. See, she doesn't like IIAs that happen in her neighborhood that she didn't know about. She's flipping the script now. Now the police are great. Or was it social workers, her neighborhood watch thing? See, this wasn't supposed to happen on her watch. Someone flipped the script on her. Hey, girlfriend, don't you know what mercenaries are? They don't care what party you are or what you say you fight for. They just care about the money. So now IIAs are being fought with other IIAs that you can't control. And guess what that makes you look like? a loser because now the next one will be people looting and rioting because of a what she said a protected uh first amendment <laughs> whatever she's going to change her script again and that's how you know which one is her allowed you're allowed to do this in my city and which one is like you're not allowed to do in my city just listen to them they tell you exactly every single person tells you who they are if you listen I don't care. I do not care. Whatever justification was given for this. There is no justification for criminal behavior ever. You have no right, no right, to take and destroy the property of others. Our residents deserve to be safe. Our businesses deserve to understand and enjoy safety and security of their property and in their employees. And our police officers deserve to be able to do their job without having to worry about shots being fired. Be <laughs> Are we being punk? We need someone. Well, you know what? If I have time today, I'll get a video of Beetlejuice saying how the police need to be defunded and how they need to stop, you know, when all these riots and killings were happening and then put it with this one. She's like, my police. No, girlfriend, that train has sailed. Now you understand the gravity of everything you've done. And then when these mercenaries come for you, because they need to go go to Walgreens and hit it up or Tesla. That's where they went to Tesla. Like, what did they do? Drive away with a car? Uh, you know, this is, this is, this is comedy. Can you see it? Sit back, watch. Being uh, projectiles being thrown and being maced. This is not anywhere near acceptable. And I call upon our state's attorney and our courts to make sure that these individuals who are arrested and those to come are held accountable. Only two of them were arrested. <laughs> First of all, which U.S. attorney, wait, which prosecutors are you talking about? You're talking about King Fox. I just want to know which ones you're talking about because you're not going to get any of them. CIA goes both ways. You can't reality hijack people and expect them not to reality hijack you. Okay. That's the way it goes. When we say this is war, this is definitely war. It's been happening for a while. Reality, reality hijacking has been happening for forever and a day. Now, uh, you know, people. 
people can't be held responsible for not understanding it. What you thought was mild ad- advertising when the fact that you entrusted the mainstream media to give you the news isn't because you're a sucker. It's because you had trust and faith in your fellow man to do what's right and tell you the truth. You didn't realize that it is a military operation. You didn't realize that these reporters are all part of the damn intelligence community. When you realize it, then you're just like, stop. They've just been psyoping the crap out of us. Yes, they have. And I've been here telling you that <laughs> for years. Saying, yo, hey, kind of seems weird. Now you see how she flips the script. Now she loves the police. Now she needs them to be prosecuted. Now she needs this. What do you mean? Tesla was raided. You couldn't find anybody's face. Oh, let me guess. We have masks, so we can't see their faces. Listen to the last, like, one and a half minute of her, of Beetlejuice's plea. And look at the fear in her face, because she has no control whatsoever put your best people on this we have made the case we have the video we have the officer testimony these people need to be held accountable and not cycled through the system and judges that are holding these these cases you need to step up and be responsible we can't continue to allow this to happen and as the superintendent said for people to believe that there is no accountability through our criminal justice system No one wants to hold people in jail because they are poor. Well, what happened to Chief Boyd? You know, the guy that was the chief, you know, that had just gotten promoted. He was suicided at his office, Beetlejuice. That was war. That was war. You got him suicided, girlfriend. Now it's your turn. But people who engage in this kind of criminal activity, they need to be held accountable. And we can't do it alone. We need the prosecution and we need the courts to step up and do their part as well. And that is certainly my hope and my expectation. The gains that we have been able to make as a city through all these challenges, the pandemic, the righteous uprising in the wake of the murder of George Floyd, the other things that we have done to... See, the uprising during George Floyd was legal, okay? And the police totally sucked, you know? They were hit by gas and lasers, which we'll talk about lasers in Lebanon soon. (laughs) Because you'll see the same thing is going on in Lebanon. What we have to do is pay attention, but we'll talk about that in the second hour. Right now, let's just focus here. You know, Connors. Demonstrate that Chicago is back and resilient. We've been able to do this because we stood together, shoulder to shoulder, neighborhood to neighborhood, neighbor to neighbor. And we can't abandon that which has served us well over this most difficult time. But part of that, part of that means that we have to also step up in a time of challenge like this one and give no shelter to the criminals. You've heard me say this before. The people who are the shooters, as well as the people who are the looters, People in neighborhoods know who these folks are. This is your time to step up and demonstrate your allegiance and your loyalty to this city and report these people who are engaged in criminal activity. We cannot do this without you, and we need every single person with knowledge or information to step up. You can do that anonymously by calling the tip line. But we need people to step up. We are not going to let our city be taken over by criminals and vigilantes, no matter who they are, what they're doing, 
This is a time for us all to step up, and we will do just that. What is she talking about? She's like head criminal vigilante. She's got Tina Chen there, Kim Fox, let go Jesse Smollett. She's got the Husseins. She's got Oprah, all the little pedos, you know, running around. Come on, man. Lady, give me a break. The police don't care about you. You can sit there and... Pucker up all you want. Stop. It's not happening. You're done. What she wants is snitches. Snitches, tell me who paid you to go there because I didn't pay you. So I need you to come up front because, you know, during the George Floyd thing, she didn't say, hey, everybody, go snitching on who burnt stuff, who shot stuff, who broke stuff, who was tearing down statues and stuff that she snuck out in the middle of the night lying to the police saying, we're not going to take the statue down. But now she changes her tune. Girl, you better be whistling. You are whistling right now to the wrong ears you need to resign and all of you will resign because you're dead broke that's what's happening the pork ain't coming in the heroes act it's not heroes <laughs> it's sorrows galore for the people with that act that's not happening so this is what we have in our local news that is pretty, pretty exciting. You know, she needs to call 1-800-SAVE-ME-FROM-THE-PEOPLE because that's who you need to worry about. You, She is worried. She's like, who paid these people? Who did this? I didn't authorize it. Girl, mm, she's so done. She is so, so, so done. And they don't even realize it yet. They think that they're they're fine. It's like that that uh, that meme where someone is standing in a fire having coffee, saying everything's just fine. That's exactly what you saw. Now, I thought we would start. We would end the first hour, and we'll continue it just for a few minutes in the next hour. Uh, Attorney General Barr's interview with a person I don't like because he's just an opportunist. But he said something that was so weird. He's like, Antifa is a new form of urban guerrilla warfare. What do you mean new form? We've been using the same MO of Antifa everywhere. Guys, we see it. We're going to see it today. We're, we're going to talk about it in Belarus. It's happening in Lebanon. In Lebanon, they're using the same damn lasers to shine into the eyes of police and military that they used in Portland. It's the same people. It's the globalist cabal. This is all rubbish. It's all make-believe all of it belarus same mo what do you mean new we've been doing this for decades and that's what sucks come on i know that he's trying to dumb it down for people but when you use things like new form of guerrilla warfare i'm like uh oh see it's good that i've always held my reservations with you because that didn't sound right what's going on with police forces in this country, the, the brazen attack on police officers by Antifa and Black Lives Matter and other revolutionary groups and the failure of local politicians to whom they report to protect them and defend them and protect and defend the citizens of these communities. Is this not shocking? It is, it is shocking. You know, even before uh, the events in, in uh, Minneapolis, uh, I was speaking, since I became Attorney General again, about how in a full employment economy, which we did have and we're, we will have again, uh, that uh, we have to be careful because policing is becoming a very difficult and dangerous job. And you have to, to, in order to attract the best people there, you have to be supportive of them. 
And I was worried about uh, the vacancy rates and the fact that it's hard to keep police in, in many of our major cities. And then we had this turn of events where they've been demonized. The fact is, generally speaking, we have superb police in this country, very professional forces. And, you know, the, these events do happen. We have over 600,000 police in this country, and there will be uh, some, some uh, instances of excessive force. Uh, but uh, by and large, it's, it's an excellent police force, and if they're going to be demonized like this, they're not going to work in these cities. So maybe there'll be a self-correcting mechanism. If communities don't support the police, they're going to have a hard time getting police. And they're going to depopulate these communities. They're going to leave. Governor Cuomo the other day was begging millionaires and billionaires to stay in New York City. I don't think cooking dinner for them is going to (laughs) to replace safety. Let me read something to you. Gatestone Institute, International Policy, um, about Antifa. I don't think people really understand Antifa. And they say, empirical and anecdotal evidence shows that Antifa is, in fact, highly networked, well-funded, has a global presence. It is a flat organizational structure with dozens and possibly hundreds of local groups. And by the way, the oldest group is in Portland. They say Antifa's stated long-term objective, both in America and abroad, and it got its birth in Europe, England, then Germany, then the United States, is to establish a communist world order. Stop. It wasn't England. It was Germany. And by the way, they, this information is put out. It's not like we're conspiracy theorists or so forth. The, in the United States, Antifa's immediate aim is to bring down the demise of the Trump administration. It's an attack on capitalism. They say they're attacking fascism when they're Marxist fascists, such, such thing. To bring down the Trump administration. It's interesting that one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter said that one of her focuses is to bring down the Trump administration. What is it about the Trump administration that stands in their way? Well, I think they would be, you know, generally for bringing down any administration. They they are a revolutionary group that is interested in, in some form of socialism, communism. They're essentially Bolsheviks. Their tactics are, are fascistic. Uh, and your description of them is consistent with I, what I've seen. Uh, with the Trump administration, you know, a lot of that has been the demonization of the Trump administration from day one. I went back and I watched his victory speech after election night. People should go back and look at it. It was very measured. It was a very statesmanlike speech. He offered the olive branch. He praised Hillary Clinton, thanked her for all her service to the country, talked about working together to make things better for the American people. That was the day he won. And from that point forward, uh, there's been the resistance. They were trying to impeach him from day one. They have done everything they can. They've shredded the norms of our system uh, to do what they can to drive him from office or to debilitate his administration. Uh, and I think it's because of the, the desire for power, that the, the left wants power because that is essentially their state of grace and their state. Their- Okay, so I have to go out to break for the radio show. Uh, So everyone, we're going to take a five-minute break while the ads go on Red State Talk Radio, and we'll be right
Real news. All right. Welcome back, everyone, for the second hour of the Tory Says Show. Well, you know, we're going to continue with Attorney General Barr and how he describes Antifa and this not so new <laughs> guerrilla warfare. Because we got two people that have sat in a room before together long, long time ago. So uh, we're going to see this, um, you know, scripted uh, discussion happen. And then we're going to move it along to see what's going on in Lebanon and Belarus. And you're going to find out exactly what it is. On that note, I just wanted to tell you. So this weekend, obviously, I didn't have my Monopoly with me. I wanted to play Monopoly uh, socialism. I actually went to see the editing of um, Shadowgate. So first of all, I'm kind of happy that I look a little bit odd because that way when people see me, you know, like distorted, tired, super round, because then when people see me in person, they're like, oh my God, she looks so much better than you are in camera. And it's like, yeah, I know, right? I like do the opposite. But um, <laughs> I was watching it and I have to tell you, the producer is off the wall incredible. Uh, because he put it so simple, the way he's cutting it in, that even if you've never heard of any of this stuff, the minute you finish watching this Millennial Millie production, you will be an expert at spotting out IIA, PSYOPs, and hijacking. Okay? Hijacking of your reality. I was just like, what? I, I've uh, so completed. We're only the first um, 30 minutes. So uh, it'll be another, yeah. So I, again, we're probably not going to tell anyone uh, because they're constantly throttling and canceling streams. And the minute it drops, it'll be on Twitter, through tweet words, on Facebook, on it's Twitch for sure. I'm going to tell you that for sure because Twitch is a totally separate system and they kind of let me let me exist. Uh, DLive, uh, wherever I can, I'll be streaming. Millie is going to be streaming everywhere. I will be sending it out so other people can be streaming too. So that way we flood the internet because this is going to be so good. Like I was watching it and I was more upset and I was like, oh my God, I look so tired. Oh my gosh, my face looks so round. Oh my gosh, did I just count three chins? But the message, so that's why with me because then when people see me they're like wait a minute you don't look the same and it's like oh look camouflage so um i was really excited because i was like wow that was so good like the producer did such a great job man it's gonna blow the internet up i'm telling you that right now people are gonna get it all right so let's continue with attorney general Barr. um i just want to rewind to the fourth minute where he explains stuff hold on there we go and uh, and start this over from that point to, to listen to what he has to say. And then we're going to go to the beginning of the interview when it started, because you got to hear Mark talk. Take a listen. Trump administration from day one. I went back and I watched his victory speech after election night. People should go back and look at it. It was very measured. It was a very statesmanlike speech. He offered the olive branch. He praised Hillary Clinton, thanked her for all her service to the country, talked about working together to make things better for the American people. That was the day he won. And from that point forward, uh, there's been the resistance. They were trying to impeach him from day one. They have done everything they can. They've shredded the norms of our system. Uh, to do what they can to drive him from office or to debilitate his administration. 
Um, and I think it's because of the, the desire for power, that the, the left wants power because that is essentially their state of grace and their, <laughs> their secular religion. They want to run people's lives so they can design utopia for all of us. And that's what, you know, that's what turns them on. And it's the, it's the lust for power. And they weren't expecting Trump's victory, and it outrages them. In this document. Wait, before he says it. So exactly what is a utopia? Because it's actually a dystopia. If you take a look at it from the moon, these people want you to serve them. And this is going to go back to something that I did that people didn't seem, not everybody seemed to grasp, but I uploaded like a Bible study video on YouTube where I took the first, the first ever written, transcri- translated, transcribed into Greek from Hebrew of Exodus from the long, 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 long lost Bible, first ever. And, you know, there's only pieces of the document. I've, I've studied all of these from a long time ago, the Torah, you name it, I've seen it. And what I was trying to put to the people to understand was when you're reading it, do not read it legit. Like I had people there that were talking, well, you know, they was talking about this and it's like, no, you still don't get it. You still don't get it to what were the, in that scripture specifically, it was the Egyptian camp and the Israelite camps. The Egyptians were in charge. They had the power. And they were sending midwives to kill boys in the womb. Nobody used midwives. And midwife is not really a midwife. People are not getting it. Not getting it. Because history and even our religious scholars have disallowed us to be able to see things for what they are. If you actually see it for what it is, it speaks to you. Take out all notions and just look at it with your own eyes naked. It tells you history. It's telling you history. It's not Egyptian, Egyptian, Israelites, Israelites. It's just showing you two separate camps that just so happen to be labeled as such power, power. What did they do? They forced the Israelites to work for them, to create things for them, to build things for them, to do things for them, to be their workers. What does the left want or the globalist cabal? What do they want? They want you to work for them, to build things for them, to be their producers while they sit. (laughs) And they want to kill your babies too. But I want you guys to take a step back and listen to what's being said. We have lost the ability to listen and we all wear certain lenses when we see things. The lens of a man, the lens of a woman, the lens of a mother, the lens of, you know, someone gay, transsexual, bisexual, you know, uh, whatever your job is, take the glasses off and just wear the glasses you had as a kid, which were just you. See it from that perspective if you can. Oh, everything that's going on around you. And it all makes sense. We have been tainted and hijacked to think in a specific way. So all we have to do is look at it naked. Naked. No difference. No nothing. Just naked view. Naked view. And it all makes sense. Utopia. In their mind. For them. So we can serve them. What they think is best because again, they know best. And what do the Praetorians do? They protect the ruler, not the people. 
This is where it gets back to it. Step back. Take a look because you can never be wrong. You as an individual can never be wrong when you see things with no lens, zero, nothing, not from, well, you know, in my perspective, no, you're using a perspective of your job, who you are, what color you are, who you have sex with behind closed doors, what you eat, you know, cause you'll always know when someone's vegan, right? You know, Take that all away and just be you at the age of five and see the world with those eyes. It all makes sense. You can see them coming and you can see what Levin is really about too. Listen to him talking now. At this research, they talk about the roots of Antifa in the Bader-Meinhof gang in Germany and other really violent, radical organizations in the United States, similar to the Black Panthers similar to the weather underground, except they're more networked, they're better organized. They seem to have more ammunition of, of sorts to use against police officers and so forth. And apparently they get a lot of their funding online. Um, I have to believe that, uh, that our agencies and so forth are really trying to construct some kind of scenario about what we're dealing with and how to undo this. Am I close? It's a form of, of sort of, it's a new form of urban guerrilla warfare. You know, Mao used to speak, Mao Zedong uh, used to speak about the gorilla being like fish swimming in the ocean, the way the gorilla moves through the people. The, the, the gorilla hides out among the people as a fish in the, in the ocean. And what they do is they are essentially shielding themselves or shrouding themselves in First Amendment activity. They go into the demonstrations, which are exercising First Amendment, act First Amendment activity, and they insinuate themselves in there to shield themselves. That's where they swim. And what they do is they hijack these demonstrations, and they, and they provoke violence, and they have various tiers of people from the sort of top provocateurs down through people who are their minions and sort of run the run the violent missions but it it's uh, it's a you know a difficult phenomenon to deal with they're highly organized at these demonstrations and uh, you know these tactics that they use are, are designed and and the, the way the media responds to them of course media doesn't take footage of what's happening they don't take the footage of the rocks being thrown so, okay, so he's telling you how well organized they are. I've told you that. Uh, we, we, come on, man. We've sat through some of their Zoom things. I do have the press secretary's feed open uh, for us to hear when she comes on. I want to start at the beginning where Mark Levin starts talking about himself um, before he introduces Barr, because it's important that you listen to that. To all my listeners, this is one of the most important pieces you need to hear on how it goes. But on the other hand, Barr is giving some really good points. And I think as an attorney general, he's more, he's pissed because he's not in it. You know, he's like, wait a minute, but I'm telling you who's running the show. I've been telling you ever since. It's these corrupt generals, man. It's these corrupt generals that are using, and it's all in Europe. There's an article I wrote, 
cross uh, uh, hurricane electric. I'm telling you where our government servers are housed. Where are they housed? Over freaking seas, dude. They're all coming from there. No one's paying attention. No one's paying attention to all these shills telling you what is going on. But we have it all. I mean, if I know that it's there, then, you know... I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't want to end up with someone really knocking at my door with some other badge. This is Life, Liberty, and Levin. We have a great guest, Attorney General Bill Barr. How are you, sir? Pretty good. Pretty good, Mark. Good to be here. Here's what I promise. We're going to have a discussion, and I'm never going to reclaim my time. (laughs) So when I ask you a question, you're going to actually have time to answer the question. Okay. And we have a lot to cover, but I want to start with the House Judiciary Committee. I was a chief of staff to an attorney general, Edwin Meese. We had some very difficult hearings from time to time. I've never seen anything like this before. Obviously, it was coordinated. The goal was to have you up there and try and treat you like a piñata. Absolutely disrespectful. What were you thinking what that was going on, and what do you make of this? You've been attorney general twice now. I think they were afraid to have me speak, and so they decided to burn up all the time and not give me any time to answer. Uh, so I quickly caught on to the tactic. And what do you make of the change of the whole nature of hearings now? I mean, they accused you of being a murderer, a terrorist. Um, I, was, I was getting nervous that somebody might grab a, a Molotov cocktail from right. behind the table. Well, oh, come on. Mark Levin, you listen to Tori says it should have been chairs, not Molotov cocktails. They just needed a cardboard cutout of bar there so they could beat on him. That's all they wanted to do. Grandstand, deflect, show that they're angry. You know, and everyone's asking, yeah, where's Sessions? Sessions is busy with a lot of people that were just deployed down to Gitmo. He's busy, busy, busy. Uh, So the press secretary is coming in. So we're going to have to cut out to that. And for those of you that are live on air, if you don't get to hear the remainder because I'm going to continue this. If you don't get to hear the remainder of the show on air uh, demonstrating to you these internet, uh, interactive internet activities that we just saw with George Floyd being deployed in Belarus and Lebanon, I'll be uploading that on iHeart. Well, my archivist will. Hello, everyone. Democrats in Congress failed to act in the best interest of Americans hardest hit by this pandemic. Amid inaction, President Trump stood up for every American who, through no fault of their own, needed relief. Politics, as usual, should find no place during this pandemic, but Democrats rejected multiple clean bills to provide relief. The American people are tired of games. They seek leadership, and President Trump delivered. This weekend, President Trump took executive action designed to provide the relief Democrats have denied to those who need it most. Through four executive orders, he took the following steps. On the payroll tax, he deferred payments of the employee portion of certain payroll taxes from September 1st through the end of 2020. On unemployment assistance, states will provide 25% cost sharing, amounting to a total of $400 per week in benefits through the end of the year. And then third, he extended the eviction uh, protections. Um, President Trump will direct HUD to prevent evictions resulting from financial hardships caused by the virus, doing everything in his executive capacity uh, to make sure those renting and those homeowners are protected. Finally, on student loans, he extended 0% interest and suspended loan payments through the end of the year. The bottom line is that these actions will help Americans. President Trump is for the American people, and Democrats failed to deliver. 
Also, earlier this year, hundreds of Americans working men and women at the Tennessee Valley Authority, the TVA, were told that they would lose their jobs to lower paid foreign workers imported from abroad and then surf, su suffer the further indignity of training their foreign replacements. President Trump boldly and resolutely intervened in defense of these hardworking Americans, rallying to their case, rushing to their aid, and taking action to restore their jobs. He invited laid-off workers and their representatives to the White House, and then he fired the chairman of the board of the TVA and one other board member. President Trump offered an ultimatum. The firings would continue until the cruel and heartless decision to fire the hard-working Americans was reversed. TVA did reverse. Layoffs have been canceled and tech workers have been rehired. In the words of Gay Henson, president of the Engineering Associates IFPTE Local 1937, the labor union representing the 2,200 highly skilled professionals employed by the TVA, uh, in Ms. Henson's words, the president's personal intervention saved these jobs, restored the workers to their rightful place, and set TVA on the path to returning to its mission of service to both the workers at the TVA and to the people of this country. And with that, I'll take questions. Yes. Haley, thank you. Starting right there with the president's actions over the weekend, how quickly can Americans expect to see that extra $400 of unemployment insurance? So we hope to see it quickly um, and close to immediately. I don't have an exact readout for you on time, but a lot of this will depend on states um, and them applying because, as you know, it's 75 percent federal government um, covering and 25 percent the states, and they can use CARES funding or even existing unemployment funds for that $100, but it will require an application process. And given that part of it is up to the states and the application process, is it possible that there will be a delay and that some individuals won't see this relief at all? We will be working around the clock to make sure there's not a delay, uh, but any delay that does exist, it's important to note um, where that delay and the responsibility rests. And it's with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, who they were offered a clean extension, not of $400 of unemployment uh, benefits, but $600, and it was roundly rejected by Democrats. So this president stood up for the American worker at a time when Democrats refused to do so. And, and just to be very clear, you're saying that you're going to work around the clock and want it to get to Americans quickly. Are we talking weeks? Are we talking a month? Can you pinpoint the timeline? Here? I can't pinpoint a timeline other than we'll be working around the clock, and we encourage Democrats on the Hill uh, to come back. Secretary Mnuchin has said he's willing to review any proposal because the American people deserve better than the games and the partisanship they've seen from Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and their Democrat colleagues. Ben. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, two questions. Just to follow up on what Kristen was asking, is there a mechanism by which the federal government can provide the $300 immediately, even if states don't provide the 100 well, it's important and, in fact, required by statute that 25 percent of that money um, be provided by states, and the 75 percent is what we can do from the federal government side. I would note states can look to um, CARES Act funding uh, as a way to bring that $100 forward. Um, they can also look to the general fund, uh, but we will be pursuing every creative way possible to make sure that the preeminent priority prevails, and that is making sure that this money gets to America's workers. And then the, the, the orders that the president signed that doesn't address funding for small business businesses or for schools or stimulus checks, does he still want legislation to address all of those things? And is he willing to negotiate with Democrats? 
he absolutely would love to see both of those things. School funding is very important, um, and he's been for second round of direct payments. Um, so we encourage Democrats to really negotiate with us in good faith. So far, they have not done so. Um, in fact, moving further away from us rather than towards us, negotiations work by coming towards one another. I um, mean, it's incumbent upon Democrats to do that. But they say they've come down from three trillion to two trillion. Is the White House willing to go up from one to something else? They've still put in several non-starters. They've never put forward a serious proposal. And the notion, um, before they claimed to have come down, they actually went up, and then they wanted $100 billion in school funding. We said, okay, we'll give you more than you asked for, $105 billion, uh, to which was no longer acceptable. So they've been fundamentally unserious with each and every one of their um, their offers in this negotiation. Yes. I thank you. Uh, a, a number of Democrats, but also Republican Senator Ben Sass, have suggested these executive actions are unconstitutional. Can you walk us through what the White House is using as a legal rationale for the president to step in, in here, and would you be able to share the legal opinions? Yes, um, I absolutely can do that. Um, first, I would note that what we are doing is entirely within the executive capacity of the president um, on student loans, section 2A, 2 subsection A of the Higher Education Relief Opportunities for Student Acts of 2003, uh, which is 20 U.S.C. 1098BB, um, authorizes the Secretary to waive or modify provisions of student financial assistance programs to ensure that individuals who have been affected by the national emergency are not worse off financially. There's another statute for that one, Section 432 of the Higher Education Act of 1965, which gives broad authority to the Secretary. On unemployment, uh, the Stafford Act, 42 USC 5174 says the president, after a state applies for it, can provide assistance to people who have been adversely affected by a, by a major disaster. Uh, these are often known as Other Needs Assistance, or ONA. Um, on payroll tax authority, 26 USC 7508A plainly authorizes the Treasury Secretary to provide any taxpayer that has been affected by a federally declared disaster with an extension of up to a year. This was used before uh, when the Secretary extended the individual filing deadline um, for 2019 taxes from April to July. And finally, for evictions, uh, the authority um, would be suggesting that HHS and HUD consider whatever legal authorities they have to protect Americans. Uh, and also, the president merely instructed in that EO uh, that we should do everything within the lawful capacity of the executive branch to protect Americans from evictions. Yes. Jenny on China, is the administration planning to respond to the new sanctions that China announced this morning on, on several lawmakers and other people in the United States? So I won't get ahead of the president um, on any actions, um, but we are certainly aware of the announced sanctions. Um, and instead of taking meaningful actions, such as immediately repealing the national security law and stopping the, system, the systematic repression of Uyghurs, the Chinese Communist Party opted to respond with this symbolic and ineffectual action. And a growing number of nations around the globe are demanding real action from Beijing. The ball is in the Chinese Communist Party's court. Um, this president has stood strongly against China and he'll continue to do so. Is there any discussion, yes. Kaylee, of delisting Chinese companies on the U.S. stock exchange? Again, I won't um, get ahead of the president on any official announcements. Yes. Thank you. The president said over the weekend that he had heard from Democrats about uh, wanting to restart these negotiations. Who exactly did he hear from? And then also his tweet this morning uh, regarding, he said that he had his, uh, he said that Leader uh, Schumer and Speaker Pelosi had his number in regarding, uh, regarding negotiations. 
Uh, does that mean he is going to uh, play a larger role in this process going forward, or is it still going to be Secretary Mnuchin and the Chief of Staff? Lee? Well, they speak on the President's behalf. He's been actively engaged in the negotiations and working closely with Secretary Mnuchin and the Chief of Staff. Um, Democrats should come to the table. Um, their immediate statement um, in the aftermath of the President issuing these EOs um, says that they would like to meet halfway, but you know those are empty words from Democrats that they'd like to meet halfway because so far they've just gone in the other direction. Did anybody reach out to him? I'm not going to go through the president's call logs, but you guys can ask him later today if you'd like. He'll have a press briefing at about 530. Jeff. Uh, thank you, Kaylee. Uh, Secretary Pompeo has raised the issue of uh, Russian bounties on U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan with his counterpart. Does that mean that the administration now considers the intelligence on this uh, secure or, or clear? And if so, does the president plan to raise it with President Putin? Yeah, so on uh, the part about Secretary Pompeo, I'd refer you to the State Department. That was a New York Times story. So in terms of his personal conversations, I would refer you there. Um, but on the part of the president, he this was unverified, um, not conclusory, as the New York Times uh, initially reported. Um, the president will always act in the interests of our troops and look no further than the killing of Soleimani and al-Baghdadi, which brought vindication to hundreds of U.S. servicemen and women who lost their lives overseas. Just to be yes. clear, does that mean that you did that Pompeo did not raise this? Does that mean that... I the, would refer you to the State Department. But are the two sides seeing this seeing the intelligence as different here and the State Department? Again, you're asking me to verify reporting. That would be in the realm of the State Department. But rest assured, this president will always act in the best interests of our troops. Yes. Thanks, Kaylee. Uh, back on the executive orders the president signed this weekend, as a candidate, Donald Trump criticized fairly sharply uh, Barack Obama's use of executive orders and faulting him for failing to reach deals with members of Congress. How were the president's actions this weekend uh, any different from uh, President Obama's? They're a lot different when you consider the fact that President Barack Obama uh, utilized executive order uh, to push forward a policy um, that he denied he had the right to push forward 23 times on DAPA and on DACA. He said at least 23 times, I don't have the power to do this. And then he went on to do just that. I've already listed out and enumerated the various legal authorities on the part of the president. And in terms of deal making, I would note that the CARES Act was landmark legislation You know, at the heat, at really the height of this pandemic that brought relief to the American people. And that was negotiated within one week from first drafting to enactment. Um, and by comparison, if we want to go back to President Obama, the American Recovery Act during the Great Recession took roughly three months from inception to enactment as law under single party control. Uh, this president managed to push the CARES Act through divided government, a very big accomplishment on the part of the president. Yes. Kelly, the uh, deal that the president announced late last month uh, with Kodak to make a uh, uh, new drugs uh, in the United States is apparently on hold now amid uh, allegations of insider trading. Is the president concerned that his uh, infrastructure here is being misused, that the Defense Protection Act uh, funds are, are potentially being uh, misused? Would he pull the plug on the Kodak deal? And what does it say about the safeguards that you have in place that this potentially could have uh, 
uh, resulted in insider trading. So first, the president will always act in the best interest of the American people. Um, as you noted, as soon as we became aware of these allegations, the International Development Finance Corporation uh, said that the recent allegations of wrongdoing raise serious concerns. We will not proceed any further unless these allegations are cleared. Uh, the president has strong faith in the process here. We've used the DPA more than 30 times to increase production, um, and it's been to great effect when you consider in the stockpile we've seen vast increases, tripling the amount of N95s, tripling the number of gowns, four times the number of ventilators on hand um, at 69,000, and we'll have more than 10,000 10, more uh, by the fall. So this president has used the DPA effectively, but we're certainly aware of the Kodak allegations and take them seriously. Would he pull the plug on that deal? I'll leave that to the president, but he takes these very seriously. We Fine. won't speculate as to what that investigation finds. Thank yes. you. Uh, two questions for me. Um, the president just tweeted that Gettysburg would be one of the two slides he's looking at. What, can you characterize the message that he'd want to be sending with that choice, if it was that choice? Yeah, I won't get ahead of the president as to what his convention speech will look like, um, but the president has done a lot uh, to bring this country together. Um, we've faced unprecedented challenges, and uh, he's worked to make sure that the American people are, are best equipped and taken care of to rise above the challenges that we face. And he has a strong record of, of achievement that he'll be touting on that day. Uh, so, sorry, the other question, if you don't mind. Uh, is there a message to the protesters in Belarus? Is, is the president looking at that? Is he supporting them? Yes, so um, we are looking at that, and we're deeply concerned by the Belarus uh, presidential election. Severe restrictions on ballot access for candidates, prohibition of local independent observers at polling stations, intimidation of opposition candidates, and the detention of peaceful protesters and journalists have marred the process, and we urge the Belarusian government to respect the right of peace to peaceably assemble and to refrain uh, from use of force. Yes. Thanks, Kaylee. Um, is the president willing to... Uh, provide some aid for states and local governments given that, given that the administration is asking states to pay for a quarter of the National Guard assistance and now a quarter of the unemployment benefits? Yeah, the president's always been clear here that, you know, he wants to support state and local governments, but only for COVID-related matters, and he doesn't want to bail out blue states that had structural problems long before this. So that's where his priorities lie. Yes. Hi, I have two questions, one from somebody who can't be here today. But first of all, the president also just tweeted that uh, student athletes have been working too hard for their season to be cancelled. So does he disagree with colleges cancelling sports? And, and how would he guarantee their safety if, if games did go ahead? Yes, I spoke to the president in the Oval Office about that just before walking out here, and he is uh, very much would like to see college football um, safely resume uh, their sport. And as he mentioned in that tweet, a lot of these college athletes, you know, work their whole lives to get, you know, four years. Um, sometimes if they're redshirted an extra year, if they're lucky, they work their whole lives for this moment, and he'd like to see them have a chance to live out their dreams. And a question from um, Anthony Leake of the Chronicle Fashion Guide. Um, do you have any reaction to the resignation of the Prime Minister and Cabinet in uh, Lebanon? Yeah, uh, the President's aware of the situation, but that was just breaking as I came out, so I have nothing to add to that. Other than our heart is with the people and those who lost their lives. Christian. Thanks, Kaylee. Two on the orders. Um, is the administration at, at all concerned that funding the federal government's cost share through FEMA could leave uh, the government underfunded for hurricane season. Um, and then secondly, on the housing provisions, I'm just curious, why didn't the president extend the eviction moratorium as it was outlined in CARES? Is that because it was deemed unconstitutional? So on evictions, um, so on evictions, I would note that the president took four strong actions here. And again, 
the eviction moratorium um, created, there was a, a temporary moratorium put in place by the CARES Act. So the president did what he can within his executive capacity, and it was four-part, taking all lawful measures to prevent residential evictions, number two, instructing HHS and CDC uh, to measure, to take measures to temporarily prohibit residential evictions, um, on HUD, prioritizing federal fundings that can be used as financial assistance to struggling renters and homeowners, and also HUD working with its grantees and partners um, to ensure that homeowners are not forced out. And with regard to HHS, um, as they explore uh, their executive authority here, um, 42 U.S.C. 264A authorizes the Surgeon General in consultation with the Secretary to make and enforce such regulations as is in his judgment that are necessary to prevent the introduction, transmission, or spread of communicable diseases. So it will be within HHS's purview to determine whether COVID meets those standards, and it could go a long way in helping Americans who face eviction. And your second question. It was about FEMA. Is there a concern that, you know, pulling from the disaster funds could leave them unprepared for the rest of, well, the really the worst part of hurricane season coming? Yeah, so there is a, that snapback provision that if um, FEMA does get below a certain level, that that money will snap back. So that is certainly a concern, and we'll make sure uh, that two things happen, that Americans get paid, but also that there's enough funding there to safely go through hurricane season. Yes, Thank you very much. Two questions. What do you like the, the White House would like to see happening in Lebanon right now, next? And this weekend, the U.S. reached 5 million uh, coronavirus cases, and Brazil, 100,000 deaths. As healthcare experts compares the response from both uh, governments, what went wrong here and there? Um, so first with Lebanon, that was your first question. You know, we're monitoring the situation closely. As I've said, our heart goes out to the men and women who lost their lives. Uh, it's a, an absolute tragedy. Um, and the president participated in a virtual conference with international leaders to work closely in our international response effort. Um, we are delivering aid to the region, and our deepest condolences go out to the victims. Um, with regard to the U.S. response to the coronavirus, we've done more testing than any country in the world, um, and we do identify more cases. We do have, after all, the most testing, as the president has noted. Um, when you look at the U.S. response, the therapeutics, the beginning of this, there was no coronavirus test. It was a novel virus, but we immediately worked to get more than 100 emergency use authorizations to identify uh, various types of testing on therapeutics. There was no therapeutic that we knew to work with COVID. It was a novel virus, but again, this president worked, and there are more than 210 clinical trials on therapeutics, and we have dexamethasone and convalescent plasma, remdesivir, and others, and the vaccine to be on pace to be uh, it completed by the end of the year when Ebola took four years to go to completion. Uh, this president um, is securing a vaccine at the fastest rate ever for a novel pathogen. So this president has a, a really historic coronavirus relief response that we're happy to talk about. Yes. Um, so going back to his question on HHS and uh, executive order, is there no real solution then for people who may be facing eviction by the end of this month or early September? Well, there is a solution. I've mentioned the four things that we've done um, and will continue to do, but the real solution, uh, the holistic solution, rests with Congress and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer coming to the table. Uh, this president instructed his administration to find every single way possible that without congressional Democrats who have been unrelenting uh, and, and lacking in any sort of care or empathy for the American people, at least when it comes to their negotiating tactics, if they're not going to act and care for the American people, he would. So uh, he instructed this administration to pursue every legal avenue available to us without Chuck and Nancy, um, and he's done just that. And then on the, so now, 
Thanks, Kaylee. Uh, just so that with the president bypassing Democrats stalling for the stimulus bill, as we've been discussing in this room, um, how pressing is it to actually have a next phase bill? Because it seems that the executive order and the three memoranda that he just signed really was kind of a wish list of items he wanted to pass. So how motivated is the White House to push for a next phase stimulus bill in spite of what Mnuchin said this yeah, the White House is still motivated. You know, the president would love to see the direct payments to Americans. The president would love to see the school funding. There are several items that we'd like to see happen. Um, the more relief for the American people um, and those in need in particular, the better. Um, but this president, you know, has taken action to alleviate alleviate some of that burden. Uh, but make no mistake, um, there's still much more that we'd like to accomplish. But that includes having willing negotiating partners in Congress. And so far, we have none on the in the Democratic party, it seems. Um, and then finally, one thing I want to leave you guys with is that 18 days ago, Mayor Ted Wheeler tweeted, what I saw last night in Portland was powerful in many ways. I listened, heard, and stood with protesters, and I saw what it means when the federal government unleashes paramilitary forces against its own people. Uh, he, in fact, called our federal agents paramilitary forces. And around this same time, our federal officers were facing rioters, barricading officers inside the courthouse, trapping officers inside, launching of commercial-grade fireworks. A federal agent's hand was impaled by planted nails. Three officers were likely, uh, were at least temporarily, I should say, um, blinded when a laser uh, was put in their eyes. This has been an ongoing tactic by the rioters. Um, that was 18 days ago when Mayor Wheeler stood with the rioters um, and against the, quote, paramilitary forces. Um, but just four days ago, it appears Mayor Wheeler had a change of heart as uh, local officers took over the situation in Portland, and he now, I guess this is what he believes now, quote, when you commit arson with an accelerant in an attempt to burn down a building that is occupied by people who you have intentionally trapped inside, you are not demonstrating, you are attempting to commit murder. Uh, he could not be more right about that. It is a drastic change. It took him 73 days, I, I suppose, to come up with that realization. And what we're seeing in Portland with six nights in a row, riots being declared on Wednesday, uh, you had some of these rioters shining lasers in officers' eyes, disable security cameras, broke windows, used boards to barricade the doors and start a fire with 20 sworn officers and civilian employees inside. Uh, this is unacceptable, and it um, is encouraging to see that the liberal mayor of Portland finally seems to realize that. Thank you, everyone. All right. So that was it. Great presser. Uh, address some issues. But I, I wanted to address something that, that you know, uh, no one has spoken about. Uh, I remember at CPAC, uh, Millie Weaver was down there. I, I couldn't, I, I wasn't able to go. And I told her, uh, she was like, oh, you know, I saw uh, Michael Flynn Jr. and all these people. And, you know, everyone looks great. And I said, wait a minute, is that... Steven Schrag in the back, listening in to everybody's conversation. She's like, who? That corrupt person. Oh, uh, yeah, but there's a lot of people. Well, funny how the news now talks about, you know, a while back. Uh, you know, I actually mentioned it on air. You know, people listen. <laughs> people listen. And I had put it out in a tweet uh, because he was the one that actually invited Carter Page to set up this whole you know, trap with Stephen Halpert. Now, was it a trap? Was Carter Page part of it too? You know, you're going to see. 
what you are seeing is something that was orchestrated to obfuscate their actual crimes because their crimes uncover global crimes. You understand? So we don't care about the dossier. We already know it's BS. We don't care about the dossier. We don't want to hear about the dossier. It's all rubbish. We know Russia didn't hack anything. So let's move along and actually dig out the real, the real crimes that have happened. Again, the real crimes has nothing to do with the dossier. The dossier was the cover. The real crimes, the stuff that I've been talking about and writing about for years. Those are the crimes we need to look to. How our actual national security information is housed overseas. How all your information is housed overseas in the hands of private entities. How they're all orchestrating it together and serving one purpose, and that is the United Nations, serving one leading agency, and that's the United Nations leading agency, which is Interpol. You're going to see that come and grow and become what it is, which is the truth, because they are obfuscating constantly. Russia hoax, Russia dossier, steal. It was all a cover-up. Because if the people knew the crimes they did, then that would expose the crimes that the others are doing. You know, it's so dumb. It's like they come out with an article today. Oh, my gosh. Barclays Bank employees were being spied on. No, duh. Guess what? Barclays employee whistled something that shouldn't have been said. They're spying on everybody. There's no one. No. Nobody is safe unless you have a Faraday bag where you throw your phone in and you're walking out into the open field and you can see camouflage drones so that you can avoid them. Or if you're talking under some Faraday cloth, you are not secure. They see everything. I mean, now we have space force. They definitely see everything. (laughs) So I'm just saying, so, uh, let's, um, You saw how she said Ted Wheeler saying people being deployed, that all of these things are going, you know, that it's the government deploying all this military and doing all these things. Well, let's take Belarus, for example. Okay. Um, Well, you know what? No, for my people on air, I want to run through the Greece thing. So right now, everyone's talking about how Greece is, you know, beefing up their military, the out at war. I've told you this already, but I want you to hear what the European Commission had to say about something that Greece signed right after we sent Greece troops. Um, Take a listen. Member state with a partner of its choosing. And therefore, this is not for the European Commission or for the European Union to comment. So that's uh, all I can say on this particular issue when it comes um, uh, to the meeting between... Uh, so this uh, this is referring to Greece signing... Oh, hold on. Here we go. ...any other third country to speak on behalf of the European Union. So on behalf of the European Union, what I can say about the uh, about the signature of, um, of the agreement between Egypt and Greece is that this is an agreement which is bilateral, signed by one EU member state with a partner of its choosing. And therefore, this is not for the European Commission or for the European Union to comment. So, So, did you hear that? So, that's very specific. So, the Egyptians and the Greeks signed an agreement together, a treaty amongst themselves, where they 
have an agreement, not the EU. It's the country of Greece, and that's against EU policy. This is why they were asked. And Egypt, all pertaining to Turkey, 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 which I've been writing and writing and writing about because these people are so... mm. So there's this Indian guy who I totally love. Um, I'm going to put an Indian Pakistani... Uh, anyway, I'm going to put him on because he talks about maritime borders deal in confrontation with Turkey. See, remember that Erdogan is really salty that the leader of Egypt was murdered. He was one of the biggest Muslim Brotherhood proponents, and he was real pissed. He keeps repeating it, how upset he is. And I've told you that there was a treaty put in place between Cyprus, Israel, and Greece, too, and that the State Department deployed that with them. So now we have Egypt in the mix, too. I want you to listen to how this guy analyzes it pretty well. And other maritime agreement in the Eastern Mediterranean, this time between Egypt and Greece. Just a few minutes ago, foreign ministers of Egypt and Greece, they finalized a maritime agreement in Cairo, Egypt viewers. Uh, foreign ministers of both the countries, they held a joint press conference as well. And in the press conference viewers, the Greek foreign minister Nikos Dandius, he said, that the place of Turkey GNA maritime agreement was in a dustbin. Very important development, viewers. It is definitely a blow to Turkey GNA maritime agreement. Greece has managed to pit Egypt against Turkey, viewers. In November last year, Turkey and the GNA of Libya they signed a maritime agreement. They uh, created their EEZs exclusive economic zones. This uh, Turkey-Libya maritime agreement, it was rejected by the countries of the East Mediterranean countries like uh, Egypt, Israel, uh, Cyprus and Greece. After that, uh, we saw Greece-Italy maritime agreement. Uh, now this one, uh, Egypt and Greece uh, maritime agreement. Viewers. Uh, details are yet to come viewers about this agreement but it seems that the EEZ of Greece and Egypt will cut across the EEZ of Turkey and Libya viewers. What will Turkey do now viewers? It seems that now uh, Turkey on one side and Egypt, Greece, Cyprus, uh, France too, Israel, all these countries are on the other side. So the war for oil and gas in the Mediterranean viewers, it is continuing. So far, uh, no likelihood of any compromise. All the sides, they are playing their cards. But it seems that Greece has played its cards very well, viewers. Because just a few days ago, Turkey announced to start exploration near Greek island uh, Costello Rizzo in the Aegean Sea. But putting, uh, by, by putting pressure, Greece managed to push back Turkey views. This is another blow from Greece. Uh, uh, now Greece is aligning with Egypt against Turkey. Greece has managed to convince uh, Egypt viewers uh, to, to take on Turkey. Very important development. Uh, let's see how Turkey responds viewers. Thank you for watching. 
So Turkey did respond by sending out ships, and so did Greece. They recalled uh, most of their uh, military and Navy, and they're out there. Now, I've discussed this so many times, because I think out of the gate in November of 2018, when I started my own show, uh, was exactly this. I told you, you need to look at Idlib, and that is where it's going to start, and Turkey's going to go down, and it's all happening, and they're all making moves and counter moves, and that's the way it is. See, slow. Slowly but surely. And, you know, the Libyan issue was what? The United Nation owns Tripoli. This little, little portion, picture it, the size of Rhode Island is considered the legit government of Libya. And what did Greece, Israel, and Italy, and Cyprus do? They kicked out their Libyan ambassador and said, you're not the legit ambassador. And welcome General Haftar, which is the Libyan leader of the Libyan um uh, national army. So this is where it comes down to. And it has, okay, a lot of people are saying it's about oil. It's about territory, you guys. Remember, this, uh, Turkey was so emboldened thinking that, oh, Trump has our back. Oh, look at us. Look at us. We're playing both fields. We got S-400s. They got suckered by the Russians. That's what happened. Look at us. We're going to be drilling in Cyprus. And people are sitting in Cyprus just hanging where they're still under occupation because Turkey occupies half of the island of Cyprus, by the way. They invaded in 1974 and kept on to it. The other half, do you know why they weren't allowed to invade it? Oh, because all the dirty money was going there, right? That's where they did most of the money laundering. Remember the raid that happened in Cleveland? Kolominsky, he's got passports in Israel, Cyprus, and Ukraine. Just pointing that out. Cyprus has been, the, you know, like the Jersey Islands... <laughs> And the Caribbean for the oligarchs and and the really dirty, dirty rich. So, you know, maybe they need to look at Marfin Bank in Cyprus, I'm just saying. But the the, the point of the matter here is, is that Cyprus made the aggressive, I mean, uh, Turkey made the aggressive move saying, we're going to start drilling here. And everyone's like, hey, Turkey, you shouldn't do that. That's Cyprus's water. Yeah, whatever. We don't acknowledge that. Then the UN went and said, all right, Turkey, you're in charge of Libya's army in that little section. So you get all the water rights territories and Israel and Syria and Libya and Turkey and, 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 and uh, Cyprus and Greece were like, wait a minute. That means Turkey can, can, can patrol the whole Eastern Mediterranean. What's going on? Putin just said, sat there and said, you guys start talking. I'm not talking. I'll just sit here and wait in one of my biggest naval bases that sits right in the middle of it. You just say the word and I'm there. So this is how it goes. You see, this is how it's all going. This is why we saw what happened in Lebanon. It's all happening. So Lebanon, not only did before the implosion, did the foreign minister resign, but everyone else is resigning. And if you look at the war that's happening now in Lebanon with all these concerned citizens suddenly coming out, wanting to overthrow their government, exactly what Macron wants. Mr. Prince himself wants to take back Lebanon, right? We have them coming out with the green lasers and their Antifa methods out there trying to overthrow governments. Thank God the president spoke with Macron on Sunday. Didn't hear anything about that. So I'm hoping today in the presser, he talks about it because I want it. I mean, I already know. I already know what they talked about, but I just want him to tell the people what they talked about. So in the meantime, we also have Belarus. Belarus, they, they're they like, 
How dare you? So here it is where the Germans are saying, nope, that's an illegitimate election because they're not siding with Europe. Excuse me. Wait a minute. So you're saying every election that doesn't pick your side is the bad election. Uh, pretty interesting. Very, very interesting. Why Germany demands fair presidential elections. Take a listen. Wait a minute. For my listeners, you're not listening. This is just the the video showing all these people protesting, you know, this little group of people that all look like they're from the same place, not Belarus. Uh, listen to the German news, how they tell you they're upset. Thousands of people Thursday evening in Minsk. They came out to support Svetlana Zikhanovskaya, the presidential candidate who is challenging the authoritarian rule of Alexander Lukashenko. We need change in this country. There is no other solution. We want to be free so that we can work and study. Tikhanovskaya entered the race after her husband, a prominent vlogger, was not allowed to run. He is now in jail. I want to become president to restore justice. The current president has been in power for 26 years, not because the people want it, but because he doesn't want to leave. Other candidates have also been barred from contesting the election or arrested. Opposition politician Valery Tsepkalo even fled to Russia. President Lukashenko appears determined to hold on to power. This week he visited a police unit during anti-protest drills. And on Wednesday, he convened the National Security Council after special forces arrested 33 Russian citizens, allegedly mercenaries of a military company belonging to an associate of Russian President Vladimir Putin. Observers say the case may be a pretext to crack down on the opposition, 10 days ahead of the presidential elections. And just so you know, that contender who's a mommy blogger in Belarus, right, her husband was arrested, who was a prominent vlogger, YouTube vlogger, right, uh, was arrested because he was found to be funded by George Soros. What? Are you kidding? Oh, this is not staged at all, is it? That's how they make it work, right? So here's how a landslide victory happened by the people and how upset everybody is. Main streets and squares in Minsk, the capital of Belarus, have been sealed off tonight after a state-run exit poll suggested the country's authoritarian leader, Alexander Lukashenko, had won the general election by a wide margin. He's been president for 26 years and has been battling a wave of discontent over his handling of the coronavirus pandemic, the economy and human rights. Sarah Rainsford has more details. Her report contains some flash photography. Belarus has never seen an election like this. A nation demanding change after 26 years of authoritarian rule. You can tell most are opposition voters by their wristbands. Those extraordinary scenes were mirrored at Belarusian embassies around the world. And from Moscow to London, voters had the same call. We do need a new president. We do need new ideas in the government. We do need new policies in every sphere of life. 
As he arrived to vote for himself, though, Alexander Lukashenko didn't look at all worried. This man has won every election by a landslide since 19... 19- Now, on that note, I want to wish you guys a wonderful evening. God bless from all of us here at Red State. And I'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same place.